internet and a ho 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 happy holidays to you. Welcome back to episode 105 of the podcast. It is our last show of the year. It is our game of the year discussion. I am so happy to be here with you. Of course, I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Man, this is going to be a fun one. I've been looking forward to this all year. <laughs> well, you know, it's the it's the shining beacon of joy that we all need in this year of weirdness. Yeah, right now it's time to look back and just distill an entire year's worth of experiences into about an hour's worth of conversation. Well, <laughs> <laughs> before I started assembling my list, I was like, "Man, 2020 was a garbage year for video games." And then I was going through my list, and I was like, "Oh no, there's another one." Oh yeah, I really enjoyed that game, and it was really difficult for me to get it down to what I've got it down to. But yeah, no, I we'll I really think I really think that the whole entire that sentiment of like, "Man, like nothing came out this year," is just because you're you're depressed. That's why you feel that way. It's been a hard year. <laughs> It's because I think it's because this is my only form of entertainment. Like I haven't been able to go out to the arcade or go play bowling or go play pool or see friends or do anything like that. Yeah. So most of my time's been consumed with consuming content in in the house, and it kind of feels like there isn't enough of it because of that. But yeah, I think any other year we would have been like, yeah, this was fantastic year for games. Yeah, I mean, I still feel that way. Like, going through this list, um, you know, we're going to be doing our top five, a couple honorable mentions, all that stuff. Uh, I I struggled to narrow it down. I, like, every year when I make a game of the year list, I, I don't feel super confident about it. Like, I'm confident that these are my top five, but I also feel like the order of them is something that, like, a few years removed, I could be like, what was I thinking? You know, like, I've, I've made that mistake before. <laughs> so, uh, I... I think it was a really strong year and, and one I'm excited to uh, to dive into. But before we do that, uh, let me just quickly tell you guys you know, where you can find us. Of course, we are the Potscast. We are LootPots.com's weekly Nintendo slash gaming podcast, where every week Steve and I get together and talk about what we're playing, what's going on in the world of games, and uh, read questions from listeners like you. Speaking of which, if you want to get your thoughts read on the air in our Pots... <laughs> It's the second week in a row where I almost said our podcast segment in our mail pot segment. You can, of course, write to me at Pete at LootPots.com. Come join our Discord where we've got an always growing community of pots heads just like you. We're getting together to talk about games, help each other find next gen consoles, all kinds of good stuff. It's a great little community. We're in there chatting all the time, uh, organizing games to play, all kinds of good stuff. So we hope you'll come be a part of it. We hope you'll come get your thoughts right on the air. Uh, the last way in which you can do that is getting in touch over on our social media. We are at Loop pots on twitter and instagram every week on twitter we do throw up a thread to get questions from listeners like you uh so please come follow us get in touch turn on notifications we don't tweet that often um so great great way to keep in touch with everything we have going on and also you know maybe get your thoughts right on the air and then if you want to get a little bit more content from us, of course, you can head over to our YouTube channel where we've got a nice library of video essays, uh, taking deep dives into Nintendo, you know, a couple, uh, couple of good, um, you know, like speculative little things by Pixel. You know, if you want to go check out some of that stuff, there's some great content for you over there. And of course, you can also come find the podcast, this show on our brand new YouTube channel. So if you want to see me and Steve's beautiful faces while we do the show, uh, it's a great Great way to do so, and we have some exciting new plans for 2021 for that channel to get some new content for you. So if you want to be there at the ground floor, head over there and give us a subscribe, uh, like the video, share it with a friend, subscribe to the channel, turn on notification bells, all that stuff. You know how to YouTube at this point. Uh, and then, of course, you can also come join us on our Twitch channel, where every Thursday we've been streaming uh, something. 
Um, we've been kind of in variety mode lately. We've been kind of doing something new every week. Uh, of course, this Thursday will be Christmas Eve, so we're going to be doing it on uh, Wednesday night, the 23rd, instead. We're going to be streaming Among Us with a couple of our uh, our friends in the content space, a couple members of the community. So uh, if you're listening to this um, on Monday when it drops, you're already too late, but we'll probably do another one soon. So make sure you go follow so that when we do go live, you can come be a part of those fun streams and come chat with us, come hang out with us, come have some fun. Last but not least, and then I promise we can get to the show, patreon.com slash Pots is the best way to help us keep the mics and the lights on. Uh, you can get our Patreon exclusive show after dark, where we uh, will be talking this week about our New Year's resolutions. So if uh, you want to get a little extra content from us, help us uh, keep things rolling here, that's the best way to do it. And uh, we hope you'll head over there and share your support in uh, whatever form you can. All right. So... Uh, this this week's show is going to be a little abnormal. We are not going to be talking about what we're playing this week because we just recorded the show uh, yesterday in our time, uh, and there's no news. So it's all game of the year. It's all your questions. So before we get into our top five, we're going to jump into the mail pot, answer a couple listener questions, uh, and then we'll get rolling into into the real meat of meat and potatoes here, into the real the real shit that you showed up for. All right, so this first question comes from the Tyler Olson, one of our Patreon supporters uh, over on the Discord, and he says, Just got to say, loving the YouTube versions of the show. I've been deep diving into video content after going remote with work full time, and this is great. So thank you for that comment, Tyler. We really appreciate you checking it out. Uh, glad you've been enjoying it. Uh, I've been glad to get a YouTube version of the show, something Steve and I want to do for a long time. Uh, so I hope you guys will go check it out like Tyler did. I feel like we should do something that's just visual. That no one else would see for Tyler. Like right, right, right now. Yeah, you know, like okay. you know, some of like some of like this that that Something you'll like have this. to go over to to YouTube and search for podcast. This is a really you know, creepy gif of me, actually. <laughs> if you just look at it like this, a Sobe somebody gift this out and creep people out with it. Okay, <laughs> that's for you, Tyler. Thanks for uh, thanks for the support, brother. All right, this next one comes from Eddie Road Dog, who writes in and says, With all the love that everything Switch has gotten recently with third parties and indies, why hasn't that love translated to first party? When in 2021 will that start? Well, you know, I think that's been that's been a hot topic this year, right? Is like where is the first party software from Nintendo? And um, you know, I I think I think it's clear that this was a bit of a, a gap year for them, you know, like Animal Crossing did that heavy lifting, and it carried Switch yeah. sales through the year. And I don't really feel like they needed a lot more than that. You say that, but then look at... I think that comes from people who aren't fans of franchises that did get new entries. Sure. Like Paper Mario, for example. That was a huge thing for Paper Mario fans. They finally got a decent Paper Mario game for the first but, time in years. I think that was and, part of the problem, though, too, is that it was a decent Paper Mario game. It wasn't like a, oh, this was what we really wanted, you know? Like, that point. was an easy game for people to skip. And I know that people always complain a little bit about ports, but how many people didn't play Pikmin? And I, and I know how many people didn't play Pikmin still on Switch. Yep. Uh, hopefully that gets rectified. Xenoblade, same thing. Yep, Xenoblade again, um, the same thing. And I know we had the, the Mario 3D All-Stars stuff. So And and not forgetting, you know, we had Hy- Hyrule Warriors, a br- another brand new Hyrule Warriors, which... Both pieces yeah. of the Pokemon DLC as well. So I think it's actually been a pretty strong year. Yeah, it's not slam dunk like you know the switch's first year where we had a mainline zelda game and a mainline mario game 
but I still think it's been it's been pretty strong. And even if you're only into one of those games, the chances are you're pretty happy. Like I was only into Animal Crossing, but that really got me through. And then indies and games on other consoles and other platforms, like just made 2020 as a whole a really great gaming year for me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that in general. Like I would say the two Nintendo games that I got the most into were Animal Crossing and Pikmin, but I had a really great experience with both of those games and, and I was satisfied with my time with them. Excuse me. Um, so I, I agree with you. I, I actually don't think this was as soft a year as people want to make it out to be, but I think it speaks to, excuse me, uh, to what you said earlier as well, where I think people are so hungry for content that, you know, especially if you did like Animal Crossing and you were like us and you played the ever loving hell out of it for the first few months and then kind of fell off. Like this 2020 was the year I spent the least time with my Nintendo Switch since I bought it. So that that is significant. Like I get I get where people are coming from there. But I also think that like when you look at how strong 2017, 2018 and 2019 were for the Switch in terms of like having those heavy hitter software kind of like throughout the year or at least you know, in the case of um, 2019, I think it is, it was kind of maybe a little bit end, like backloaded. Either way, like you've had more standout titles every other year that the Switch was out than this year. And I'm sure that that is also I mean, contributing to that feeling. I feel like Animal Crossing for me blows all of the games we got last year out of the water. And I know Animal Crossing was meant to land last year and they, sure. they pushed it. But yeah, I mean, it beats out Luigi's Mansion 3, it beats out Link's Awakening, it definitely, for me, beats out Pokemon Sword and Shield. Mario Maker 2, Fire Emblem Three Houses, I know those are all huge games, but for me, Animal Crossing is so much more significant than all of them. And it obviously is for Nintendo as well, it's basically become their best-selling game of, of all time on the yeah. Switch. But, but I also think that, I think that, that that's A, that's for you. Right. And like, I, I, I would agree with you for the most part. Like, I look at Animal Crossing as one of those A tier franchises. Um, but there are a lot of gamers that don't like Animal Crossing and it doesn't speak to them. And I think even if it did, you could make the argument that maybe Animal Crossing is a bigger game than all of those games. But I don't think it's bigger than all those games combined is the thing. Right. And like, I'd love to see in terms of sales figures, though. I bet it is at this point. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe, but like, that's, that's almost irrelevant. Cause like, if you're a regular Nintendo gamer and you buy multiple games on your Switch every year, you're going to buy one copy of Animal Crossing and you're going to get what you're going to get out of it, right? So, like, that's kind of, I think, more the point is that if you're a Switch gamer and, like, the primary thing that you do is play Nintendo games, then there were there was less for you this year than there was last year. Like, last year, I know Pokemon doesn't speak to you. Pokemon is, you know, one of Nintendo's top three best-selling franchises alongside Animal Crossing and Mario. That's significant. Fire Emblem might be more niche, but it's more, it's a lot more popular than Xenoblade or, you know, some of the other games that came out this year in that similar tier. And like Link's Awakening is a Zelda title. That's nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, it was smaller. It's not Breath of the Wild 2, but it was a big game. So it's like, those might all be like more B-tier titles than A-tier titles, but like, five B-tier B tier titles versus one A-tier title and then a bunch of C-tier titles is like, hmm. I, I, get, I get where that feeling comes from, even though I might not necessarily agree with it 100%. But I mean, like, I played a lot more Switch last year than I did this year, right? That's a fact. And, like, there were so many big games from Nintendo last year. Like, I, I skipped Luigi's Mansion 3, you know? 
because I had enough to play. Yeah, so. whereas I got Luigi's Mansion 3 and skipped Fire Emblem, as, uh, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, <laughs> you didn't really, like, have that option this year if you're a Nintendo fan. You know, it was like, there was whatever game was out at the moment, and if you liked it, you got it, and if it wasn't for you, it wasn't for you. Yeah, I mean, that is totally fair. Um, but, uh, but I kind of feel that that is the same most years, though. I mean... Mm. It, it, all the games they release, it always seems to be a variety. You know, even say for, say year one, you might like Breath of the Wild and, and love 3D Zelda, but you might not massively be interested in Splatoon or yeah. interested in a 3D Mario game. So I, I do think that the Nintendo, because they, their games are like cater for such a wide variety of players, not everything is going to speak to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't particularly care about Pokemon or Smash Bros, but I know that those are huge franchises for them. I know that the gamers go crazy for them, and every time a new Smash character is announced, it's a huge thing. But I'm not a fighting game person. But I'm not. I'm not going to say, "Oh no, this is this is a crap year because of it." I think a lot of people who say that this is a, is a crap year it is because none of the games were for them this year. Exactly. Yeah. If you didn't play Animal Crossing, I, I understand feeling that way. You know, uh, in terms of when it will start in 2021, I mean, I I think I I had I placed my bets on March for uh, Breath of the Wild two and a Switch Pro. I feel less and less confident about that as time goes on, but uh, I do think that we'll have a big game from them Q1. Um, that's been the case since the Switch launched. There's been a big game around that time. So between January and March, we're going to see something. What that is remains to be seen, but let's hope yeah. it's Zelda. I, I don't think it's Zelda that early in, in the year at all. Uh, <laughs> it was last time. Why not? I mean, that's that really, though, was prepped ready for the Wii U, like, yeah. latter half of 2016, yeah. and then they just shifted What happens it. if they launch a Switch Pro now, though? I mean, it's like... I'd be happy with that. I'd be very, very happy with that. I also I, feel I just, like... I also feel like from a business side of things, that would be smart. Because, like, imagine if you launch the Switch Pro while there's still a deficit of Xbox and PlayStation 5s, and everybody wants one, but nobody can get one, and it's like, well, I'll get a Switch Pro. Yeah, but that was the same problem with the Switch. Everyone wanted a Switch, and they couldn't get one. There was a huge deficit of those as well. I can't see that Nintendo is going to be able to meet stock and supply and demand that Sony and Microsoft can. But we'll see. Who's to we say? will see. Who's to say? Maybe they've <laughs> learned their lesson from, from the Switch launch. I don't know, we'll hope. I hope. I think either way, 2021 will be a stronger year uh, for those who I think so. this year. I, I can imagine there's probably some games that should have launched this year. They got shifted. You know, beginning of every single Nintendo Direct, it's like due to the ongoing global pandemic, some of these release dates will change. Yeah. So I can see that there probably was something in the works this year that, that got shifted to next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um. So... Uh, we had another question from Ed who asked, will a pure indie title ever get a chance for Game of the Year? Hades got nominations and all, but it felt like it wouldn't win. Same with Celeste last year. So I um, I, I think the, the thing of it in my mind is that the only way that a an indie game can win Game of the Year is when it's it's generally a softer year. Um, 
Well, I, I'm I'm curious though. Like, what are we saying? Game of the year? Are we saying the Game Awards is the definitive game of the year because there's been tons of publications like Polygon and IGN have named Hades their game of the year. Yeah. So I I that's how I'm taking it, right? Because Ed says it got nominations, but it felt like it wouldn't win, and I think I think he must mean the Game Awards because otherwise, to your point, right? It's happened before, so it doesn't matter. Um, for what it's worth, an indie game has won Game of the Year before. The Walking Dead in 2012 won Game of the Year from the Game Awards. Um, so it can happen for sure. Uh, I just don't. I don't know. I think um, I think you you have a tough a tough time of winning the Game of the Year as an indie game because a lot of you know we've talked about like what the criteria are for game of the year through the game awards. Right. And it's, it's about games that are like really pushing the envelope and, and innovating and, you know, succeed on, on these, all these different levels and blah, 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 blah. And I think like a lot of the most innovative indie games, um, don't, and I don't mean this to be pointed in any way. So like, I, you know, this doesn't, isn't supposed to come off as disrespectful at all. I think a lot of indie games succeed because they really commit to doing one thing really well. And I I think that that can be a tough time for for game of the year sometimes cuz like I think it is generally like looking at like this broader like what game achieved across the board, what game splashed and made an impact in that way, you know? Um I don't know. Your mileage may vary because I think there's a lot of gamers who have the attitude that it's like ridiculous that big bloated AAA games win every year and that they're not innovative and that indies are the real innovators. And, you know, um, until there's a more significant portion of voting blocks that feel that way, like I just I think it's it's an uphill battle every year. You know, even getting the nomination for game of the year as an indie game, I think, is is huge um, because in a year with a lot of big AAA games that succeed, it's really easy to get squeezed out. Like, the fact that Hades was on this list um, speaks to its quality, you know? Yeah, I mean, and Celeste last year, I feel like we had similar conversations last year, as as, uh, Mm -hmm. Ed pointed out. It's... It... I mean, I I don't know... I I don't know that it will ever win. Like, something like this will ever win at the Game Awards. And I I do agree with you that, say, you you look at these two games, Hades and Celeste, for example, both of those honed in on one specific... I think it's really the gameplay aspect that those two really hit. Like That's what feels great about Celeste. Yes, there's fantastic stories in both. And score. Yeah. But it's not like the last of us which when you we i think you read out the the criteria when we were doing the, the game awards um yeah, two or three weeks episode ago. and it was something like it really pushes the envelope it does this that and the other etc cetera, etc cetera. and it is difficult for a smaller team with limited resources and limited time i think to ever hit that but having said that i would like to see it the number of publications marking hades as their their game of the year it's i don't think there's there's uh any reason it wouldn't happen you know if, if these people like presumably the people that marked ign's game of the year as hades also voted in the game awards for hades yep they probably I can only did. imagine yeah right i also think that um one of the other relevant things to consider about like how games get awarded game of the year right is like 
not everybody who votes probably plays every game that comes out in a year, right? So, like, when uh, IGN, for example, right, because we were using them as their example, chooses a representative to vote, like, that person is is probably more likely to have played The Last of Us and, you know, I don't know. Ghost of Tsushima. Final Fantasy and Ghost of Tsushima, whatever, right? Then, then Hades. Um, in the same way that, like, you know, there there are plenty of games that like are, um, that are looked at like as, you know, some of the best games of all time that were like not nominated for Game of the Year, or didn't make the Game Awards radar because of when they came out, or like the fact that they didn't get a ton of attention when they first came out. You know, um, there's a lot of things that you have to like do to even be in that conversation you know because like if hades came out in like march would it have been on the game of the year list i wouldn't say that it would have deserved it any less but it would have been a lot less fresh in everybody's mind and that is also a contributing factor is that hades was like still going through its moment well Uh, yeah i mean look at say jedi fallen order it came out last december so it didn't qualify last year yeah, and I think a lot of people that game was critically claimed it was the first decent single player Star Wars game, well, great single player Star Wars game in many many years. Yeah, uh, fantastic gameplay, feels great, great story, and it wasn't nominated because probably because it was so distant in everyone's mind because they didn't even play it in 2020. It was played it the year prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, then that's that's definitely a factor. You know, it has to be. Um, so yeah, is it possible? Yes. I think it's just tough. This next one comes from Wakahula, another one of our Patreon supporters who says, first of all, love you guys, the podcast and the community you built and fostered around it. Thank you so much, Wakahula. That's very sweet. We love you too. We love that you're a part of it. Second, if the switch was a Pokemon, what would its special ability be? That's a good question. See, I was thinking about this, and I don't know if it's even possible because, um, you know, I'm not a huge Pokemon fan. But is it possible to, like, change the type of Pokemon you are? So uh, go from... Fun go fact, from... It, it is for certain Pokemon. Uh, and that was actually the first thing that came to mind for me is... Um, so in Gen 8, the most recent batch, Sword and Shield, there was a Pokemon called uh, Morpeko or Morpeko. Uh, who is a electric slash dark type, but uh, it switches its type based on which form it's in. So it has uh, an ability called Hunger Switch. So when it's in like the not hungry mode, it's electric. When it's in the hungry mode, it looks all angry and it turns into a dark type. So I think yeah, it would be so something that's like the, that. That's like the natural thing, isn't it? You know, docked and undocked. You know, it depends on on how it is. Yeah, and I, what I would have, what I would do is rather than have it switch types, I think I would have it switch stats. So I think what I would do is I would have it be like when it's in docked mode, it's it's uh, defensive, so its Ooh. defense stats are really high, um, and maybe you make like its attack and and speed low, and then when you switch it into handheld mode, its defenses go way down, but its attack special. It's attack a bit more agile, say because you can move it yeah. around and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and like maybe you have like a move. That, because that's another Pokemon that does that is uh, uh, Mialetta. Uh, she has an ability that when you use a specific attack, I think it's called Relic Song. Um, you switch from either Psychic to Fighting type, and I think you could have it be like something like that, where it's like maybe it's like like a, a Protect style move, where like if you use that, you go into the defense mode, 
and your stats change, that'd be cool. Damn, that was a good Pokemon we just developed, Steve. Great question, Wakula. Okay, well, what are we calling it? We just calling it Switch? Oh, yeah, it's the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then finally, what is the best gaming-related gift you got as a kid? Are we counting consoles? Because mine's the Game Boy Color, so... Like that, yeah. that when I got that was just I was like whoa I've got my own game but I remember opening it and it had that like holographic shiny bit on the box for like oh, Game yeah. Boy Color and I remember seeing that and I knew 100% what it was as soon as so I ripped off and like I must have like freaked out uh, but then also the case that I've spoken about that I had with that which was the giant it was like a giant Game Boy with like a carry strap yeah, it was yeah. like this giant plastic Game Boy uh, I, those two things combined are probably my favorite ever gift I've ever received <laughs> related to gaming. Yeah, if so if if you're just saying gift like not Christmas gift, then I would say Game Boy Color as well. I got that as a gift for uh my first grade graduation. I went to like a uh it was like a private school that went from preschool to first grade. Uh, and they had like a little graduation ceremony where we wore like paper caps and gowns. It was like very silly. How cute. Did you have to like throw them up in the air and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it was like that whole thing. <laughs> Uh, and again, I'm in the first grade and I got, um, as a graduation present, it was from, uh, Costco. So you have those. We've talked about this. I love Costco. I went to Costco earlier. It was insanely busy. Pizza, right? Horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Costco used to have these amazing like video game console bundles. It's actually the blue Game Boy Color. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see right behind me right now. Uh, it came with that, the red and blue official, I think it was Prima strategy guide it came with a case uh like a soft case and then a uh, a link cable so i was like set um nice. and i remember literally like coming home from the graduation opening that and i was like going i was gonna go to the pool that was like in the uh the complex where i grew up and like go hang out with my friends but i remember be- they were like wait, wait wait here we have a gift for you and i opened it and then i was like <gasps> and i got it and run to the pool and i didn't go swimming at all i was like everybody i got a game boy what's up and like just fucking sitting there like in the shade trying to play pokemon <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were some of the what were some of the games you got with it that came with it like i, I was remember just pokemon one of, when i got it oh uh, see i never got pokemon but i remember i went around to my granddad's house so i i can't remember what game games i got with it but i remember going around to my granddad's house and i got a game from him he got me like an obscure mario title because mario is in the game alleyway do you remember alleyway it was like their no their version of breakout and mario like walks on and he, he jumps into the little paddle thing that you move and he's the one controlling it so it it, it is a mario game that's so weird intelligent systems made it <laughs> yeah it's bizarre but i i, ha- I still have this game in my parents house it was a launch title huh wow Interesting. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got poke. I might have gotten another game with it, but I don't even like. I don't think you I don't did. even care. Like, who cares? I got Pokemon in the. Strategy I was already guy. into I'm, Pokemon. I'm set. Yeah, yeah, like I had the cards and started watching the show like weeks prior. Um, so it was like, oh, this is the most important thing in the world. <laughs> Fuck this. Of course. Uh, but in terms of Christmas gift, it would probably be my GameCube. Uh, I got my GameCube, and I remember. I was allowed to open it like a day early or something like that. Um, but I remember. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We were never allowed that. Like, I think never, it was, ever. 
You know what? Actually, I, I lied. I think it was on Christmas Day that I opened it, but we had bought it early. Because it was really rare. It was, like, hard to come by. Yeah. And we had found it, and they bought it, and they're like, but we, you can't open it until Christmas. I, I like, remember that. And, like, and, and they would wrap it as well. My parents would, yep. would still wrap it, even though I knew exactly what it was. And then it would be, like, under the tree on Christmas Day. Because they still did that yeah. thing where they, because my brother was younger than me, they hid all the presents away. And then, like, they would appear overnight. Yeah. Like, oh, magic. Who, who knows? But we can hear my parents, like, whispering as they carry down the presents down the stairs to put them so under the funny. tree. But you 100% knew what it was the next day. Because it's, like, the biggest box. Oh, my God. It must be a Game Boy. Well, uh, the, GameCube. The, the thing I remember about it uh, so vividly is that, I want to say we got it at, like, the Nintendo World Store in New York or something. Because I remember being there and seeing Melee or whatever before it came out. And was like, oh, I can't wait for this, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I had the strategy guide. And maybe that's what I got at at the Nintendo Store or whatever. But I had the strategy guide before I had the GameCube. So I was, like, reading the strategy guide. Like, oh, I'm gonna learn all the combos beforehand. Like, obsessively just, like, staring, like, sitting at my turned-off TV. Just like, I wanna play to these old games. I wanna play Melee. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Oh, no. Uh, all right, and then uh, we've got our last two questions, which will take us into our main topic here, which is, of course, the Game of the Year discussion. So, Affy, another one of our Patreon supporters, wrote in and said, what is your Game of the Year, and why is it Hades, Pete? You'll have to see if it's my Game of the Year. Oh, I, 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 see, I don't think it is Hades. I think I know what your Game of the Year is, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and then Afi also said Pokemon 25th anniversary is in February, so I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I hope they celebrate it in a good way. I really liked what they did for the 20th anniversary, so uh, let's let's hope it's a good one. Expect some cool Pokemon content from me. That'll happen at some point. Uh, and then Doc said, what is your game of the year and why is it Cyberpunk? Okay, right. Can we? Can, can I just ask a question? Is that on any of your like lists? Is it on even made it on honorable mentions? I won't spoil it for you. Are you kidding okay. me? You think I'm it's, just gonna it, let? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. We're about to go into the segment. You think I'm just gonna <laughs> tell you what's on? No. Okay, it's on dishonorable mentions for me because it's not great. That's, you have a should, dishonorable mention? No, no, list? no. But I feel. I feel like we should, and that should be like on a pedestal. No, the Cyberpunk biggest disappointment of the year. Spoilers. <laughs> It's not there. It's not on this list. You will not hear me talk about cyberpunk on this episode. That is all the conversation. We got we met we almost made it a whole episode, doc. Almost a whole episode with no cyberpunk talk. But it's okay. It's not there. Uh <laughs> You know, who knows, right? I just want to know like imagine over the course of this week something extremely like explosive could happen with that game because who knows at this point it's been a new new story and we just won't be able every to talk single about day it. and we won't be covering it because we're recording this a week early and then we're going to go celebrate christmas and this is already going to be going live so i think you know we'll maybe we should do... just do some like reactions like oh my god can you believe what happened <laughs> i think what we should do is we'll, we'll start our own series of videos called night city watch watch where we just react <laughs> to things that are happening in cyberpunk uh, but yeah, then Doc said, uh, but I'm going to be that guy. Be the, I'm going to be the first one to ask because I want to be that guy, LMAO. What is your game of the year and what makes it stand out? Well, guess what? We're going to get into that right now. Game of the year discussion starts now. All right. Honorable mention, Steve. Here's what we're going to do. So uh, just to, if this is your first game of the year discussion with us, if the year, rules were different last year, I'm going to tell you what the rules are this year. So yeah, I don't think we had any rules any rules last year. It was just a free-for-all with me I don't remember. Pixel. 
But the, the rule <laughs> this year, and this will be what we do going forward. So we have both chosen our top five games of the year. And then we also both have a list of honorable mentions. So what we're going to do is we're going to quickly go through our honorable mentions with about, a, you know, two or three sentences about why we liked it, why it made the honorable mentions list. Every game on the honorable mentions list will be awarded one point on the Loot Pots, Potscast Game of the Year discussion point scale. Okay? And then every other game, once we get to our top five, we'll be getting a point between two and six going from lowest to highest, right? So number five gets two points, number four gets three, number three gets four, number two gets five, and our Game of the Year picks both get six points. And then what we're going to do from there, we'll cobble, we're going to compile all these points and we're going to make our definitive Loot Pots, Potscast, Top 10 Games of the Year for 2020. Are you with me, Steve? Yes, I am with you. Okay. I have my, I have my keyboard at the ready. I've got a table open on Google Docs, ready to type them all in. Then let's do it. All right. Yeah. You want to start? With first, you got 11 honorable mentions, right? I got less yeah, than I, you, I'm, so you start. I'm, I'm cutting three off because they weren't released wow. this year. Just binning them. Yeah, they're gone. So the three that weren't released this year that won't be pointable, Diablo 3, Outer Worlds, and Control, they just... I, they just meant a lot to me this year. I had great experiences with all three of them. Um, but they, they weren't released this year, so they won't count. My first honor mention is Coffee Talk. We did a great, uh, we, we did a great game club. The first and only game club so far. Uh, DJ, always in our hearts. Rest in peace. Did a review over on lootpots.com of this game and got us all to, to play. He was a real, like, uh, he championed this game. The champion of this game, yeah. So, yeah, my first uh, honorable mention is Coffee Talk. Coffee Talk is also on my honorable mentions list, so I'll talk about it right here. Uh, I also really loved Coffee Talk. I thought it was an extremely cozy game. Uh, I, I thought it had a great soundtrack, a really likable cast of characters, some genuinely good, funny dialogue. Um, it wasn't perfect, but I think it really, really nailed what it was looking to do. And it was one of those games that like you play it and you're like, Wow, this is a this is a novel, well developed game from a young studio. I really hope they make a sequel because I think a Coffee Talk Two would be exceptional. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think for me, as we discussed when we did the the game club, I think it was really the gameplay side of things that let it down for me. There wasn't enough yeah, mini games. The drink making the, was not very the, yeah, engaging. The, it was terrible. Um, it was really a lot of guesswork, and if you got it wrong, it was like tough. I just started cheating because I wanted the the good story ending because I cared about the story, but I didn't care about the gameplay. So So, what's what's on your list? Because that was one from mine. So that's the first game on the board. Coffee talk with two points, everybody. Two points, yeah. (laughs) Make sure you write that down, Steve. Keep it. It's that. It's written. It's that. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, all right. So I'll, I'll, I'll check that off on my list. Okay. So my first honorable mention. Uh, is going to be another little indie title uh, that Steve and I both looked forward to. I ended up playing it. It starred uh, my favorite voice actress, Miss Ashley Birch, and that game is called The Red Lantern. So uh, if you're not familiar, if, if you're a regular listener, you heard us talk about Red Lantern quite a bit. It originally got debuted at an Indie World showcase. Uh, it was the game where you were... Uh, Ashley Birch's character is uh, somebody trying to move to Alaska and train for the Iditarod and like survive in the wilderness. And it's like kind of a, uh, roguelite choose your own adventure type game where like you, 
you know, have, I think it's like over a hundred unique interactions that can happen in the world. And it's about you kind of like doing runs and gaining more abilities and items and stuff so that you can survive and get a little bit further each time. And, um, I, I just, I really liked it. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't the deepest game. It wasn't the best game I played this year, but it was unique and fresh and it left an impression on me. And it made me think like, this is a genre of game I would love to see more of where you have that kind of like, you know, choose your own adventure style, like almost like telltale or, you know, that kind of game that I already like, but like a little bit smaller, a little bit more gamified. And, and that really worked for me, like the whole resource management element of it. Um, and it being fully voice acted is not really the kind of thing you'd expect in that sort of game. So yeah, it, it, it was a good one. It was a, it was a unique one this year. Yeah, that's one that I still I still really want to get to at some point. Um, I think we were both surprised with the gameplay that it was totally different to what we anticipated. Yeah, I th- I had thought it was going to be like a survival sim, like more like something like the forest or you know like Ark even or whatever. And um, I was pleasantly surprised when it wasn't that kind of game because I don't really like that kind of game. But the art style and like Ashley Birch's involvement, you know, and like the dog element to it, like those are all things that I was like, ah, I want to try this anyway. And it ended up being something I was more interested in than I even thought I would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next on my honorable mentions list is CrossCode. So this is uh, that RPG that's very meta. Um, we were both really interested in it when we saw, I think it was Jason Schreier really was the one ra- running and raving about it on, on Twitter. And then it finally, finally came to uh, Switch this year. So I picked it up. And it's also on other consoles and on, on PC, of course. Uh, and so you play a character who is inside this uh, MMO, um, but you're the only uh, only real person there. So everyone else is uh, is an avatar and you can talk to them. And there's like a, a lot of uh, conversations that you have with them where it's very, very meta. And you and you uh, you, you kind of go through the, through the game and they're all talking about how like uh, about NPCs and all of this stuff. So it's it's really fun. Uh, it's, it's only on my honorable mention system. I think it probably would be further up if um, if I had played more of it. I just got distracted by other games. It's something I want to get to. Uh, we got two weeks off now, so I'm hoping that I'll be able to kind of go back to my backlog and, and play yeah. some of these games. Yeah, this is one I have downloaded on my Xbox. Uh, once I saw it was on Game Pass, I was like, oh, great, awesome. This is a, like, I still want to get back to this one. Um, I just got to find the time for it. It's a pretty long game, right? It's like 30, 40 hours. Yeah, a really long one. Yeah. Which is probably the primary reason I haven't started it, but we'll see. Uh, okay, so my next uh, honorable mention is going to be Tell Me Why. So uh, Tell Me Why, another game I talked about earlier this year um, around the console launches. This was um, first showed off at one of those Xbox events earlier this year where they were trying to get people hyped up for Game Pass and you know how you could get all that on your Series X. This is, of course, uh, from Don't Nod, the team behind Life is Strange, uh, a game that I am held very near and dear to my heart and um same style you know it's that you know narrative driven choice based kind of game with a bit of a supernatural twinge it's you know it's very much don't nods style you know so if you um had played life is strange and and enjoyed that uh, i think you'll similarly find something to connect with and tell me why uh, I, I liked it quite a bit i like it was shorter it's only three episodes and that initially gave me pause 
Because I remember getting to the end of the first episode and was like, oh, I'm in now. Like, they won me over. But there's only two more episodes to tell the story. How are they going to do that? Um, I think they actually stick the landing really well. Because they tell a smaller, more intimate story. And they very much are not interested in, like, exploring um, the why of the supernatural element. It's very much just like, Hey, so this exists and here's why it exists in universe. Accept that. Right. And then you're like, okay, cool. So that's not really what the story is about. It's more a conduit for gameplay. And I think they did a good job of balancing those things and allowing it to have enough room to breathe, to tell the story um, without, you know, without like feeling it, like it gets rushed near the end or like in the third act or something like that when it's time to just tie everything up, you know? Uh, and they also had a weekly release for this rather than a, like a monthly or several months out, like, you know, what happened with Life is Strange 2. So um, I was excited to see them experimenting with different release structures and episode lengths and everything. So uh, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, if you're an Xbox owner, definitely recommend this game highly if uh, if that kind of game is your cup of tea. Um, and I've, I've said before, I made no bones about it. I think one of the things that also makes it stand out and why I think it won game, Games for Impact this year is that I think it's probably the best representation of a trans person that I've ever seen in video games. Um, so definitely wanted to give them uh, a nod for that as well. Yeah, that's, that, one's, that one's on my list. I, I know you're a massive fan of those games. I just, I don't know, there was something always about episodic stuff that I didn't like. Like even when when say Hitman was experimenting with doing it, I yep. hated it. I just wanted it all in one hit. And the fact that this came out so quickly in quick succession, and it's it's all there on Game Pass ready for me. I may end up um, may end up picking this one up and, and checking it out. I mean, I might as well. It's it's there for me to download. How, how long is it? Is it is it a long commitment? I think it's like probably nine hours total. Because it's like about three hours an episode, maybe, if you take your time. Like, if you do kind of like how I think the game is meant to be played, you know, like where you like look at everything and you explore the environments a little bit, you know, um, it'll probably take you that long. If you're a little bit more brisk, you could probably beat it in like six hours, maybe. Okay. So I'd say somewhere in that six to nine range. Um, I kind of played it in like three settings, three or four settings where I'd like play through an episode and then go to bed kind of thing. Uh, and that worked for me really well. I think that's probably the best way to experience it, personally. So, next on my list is Super Liminal. Do you remember this game, Pete? I don't. So, this is the uh, environmental puzzler where you pick objects up, and the closer or further away you get, it expands how big that object gets. And you have to oh. solve puzzles with perspective. Mm-hmm. And I really, really loved that element to it, how you would pick it up, and it was so clever. I just felt that this game was too short. Uh, I wish there was more to it. But I absolutely adored the ending to this game. It's an experience I think everyone should... Uh, if Everyone who likes environmental puzzles should go and, and pick this game up. If you're into things like Portal or The Witness or uh, The Talos Principle, pick up um, pick up Superliminal because I think you'll you'll really have a good time with it. This was the one that looked like um, like the Infinite Staircase painting, right? Yeah. It had that kind one. of style to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Visually, I thought that looked really cool, but environmental puzzles are like not really my thing. Yeah, that's um, fine. But it seems cool. Uh, okay, next for me is going to be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered. Okay, I didn't um, expect that. I, I, I don't know why I didn't expect that one to make it to your list, but I, I really should have because it's it's Tony Hawk. 
Yeah, for an honorable mention, like this this game is exactly what it needed to be. My one uh, complaint with it is that I wish it had sold better because I'm worried that this might be the end of the road because of the games that I care about, like th- this is the set that I care about the least is one and two because um, I really got more into the front. Like I played two, but it was a thing I played at other people's house. Three, I'm a little bit closer to. It's more like four and underground were really my thing. Like underground. Yeah, is my I just want underground. Off. Underground That's is what so I want. good. Yeah. yeah, so like I really want them to make like a three and four like DLC pack for this game and then like actually just make underground. And if we if that's all we got ever again, I'd be chill with that. I I hope we do. Uh but talking about this game, uh I think this was like exactly what it needed to be. It feels like Tony Hawk and that's the most important thing in those games is the feel. And they got that right. They got most of the original soundtrack back and then they added new songs that are good and like feel appropriate. So I mean, I don't, I don't really feel like there's a lot they could have done better. Like it, it nailed exactly what it needed to nail, and for me, it was like not only um, a really welcome, like kind of trip down memory lane, but it was also when it came out, it was like kind of a much needed palate cleanser. You know, I was like coming off of a lot of big meaty games, and like being able to just kind of jump in and play Tony Hawk for like two weeks and like you know, do my high score chasing and all that kind of stuff was like, was it was a, uh, a summer experience I really cherished this year. Yeah, that was probably uh, Jeff Keighley's biggest uh, announcement at his uh, summer yeah. of fun or whatever it was called. Summer games mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember Tony Hawk being there and it being like super hype. Um, I, I, yeah, I, ne- I, I never picked this game up. I was never a massive fan of the Tony Hawk's games. I just really, really loved Tony Hawk's Underground. I don't know why, with all the weird, like... The RPG stuff. That was why, like, yeah, the story it was, of it, you yeah, know? Yeah, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> uh, next, for me, is Spiritfarer. Have you nice. picked this one up yet? No, it's another game I have downloaded on my Xbox from Game Pass, and I'm like, I'll play this eventually. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this game. It's like that slice of life, but with a weird, with a cool twist that you're on this boat, and you're the one that is like the gatekeeper to the the underworld, uh, and so you're getting all of these spirits who happen to be all relations to you, and they're coming on onto your uh, onto your boat. You complete quests for them, you feed them, you make sure they're okay. You you know h- harvest uh, fruit and vegetables from your garden you can upgrade your ship um and then when you've completed their quests and their stories they they kind of move on they move on to to the after uh, afterlife uh and you you kind of keep keep doing that cycle um again this is one i haven't finished i think maybe if i had played a little bit more i may have um may have got a bit more love for love for it but i did really enjoy my my time with it it absolutely looks stunning it looks like a graphic novel like a moving graphic novel that's the only way i can really really the describe it very, very it's pretty. so so pretty um and if you're into those slice of lifestyle games uh, as pizza this is on game pass so if you do have game pass it's worth picking up there and and seeing if you like it uh if not i would definitely recommend it on switch and i think it's on sale at the moment um as part of the, that christmas sale that they've got going on in in europe nice. very nice all right, uh, my next honorable mention is going to be Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Uh, so Pikmin 3 Deluxe, uh, you know, it is it is the definitive edition of this game. It's got a bunch of, uh, you know, pretty meaningful added content. Like, 
the multiplayer mode and everything is is cool. Um, that was one of the more significant new additions. I, not really something I've I've experienced, so I can't speak to that too much. Um, but the uh, the ability to like have drop in drop out couch co op gameplay was something that I thought was a really good move, especially for a game that features three main characters, and I think is really a game that is like probably even better experienced with someone else. Um, that said, I do think the most significant thing is that like they added the story like prologue and epilogue that star Olimar and Louis, and it's like you know basically a whole new campaign, which is really cool. Um, so there's a lot of content there, and and I think like you know let's be real, like how many of you owned a Wii U, and how many of you that owned a Wii U bought Pikmin three? You know, not no many. many. So you probably missed it. Um, so if you've never played Pikmin before, I think it's um. It's maybe not the the most accessible one because it, it has this extra layer of, like, there being three characters and it kind of asks a little bit more of you from, like, the micromanagey, like, RTS side of things. But, like, if you like puzzles, if you like RTS games, like, I think Pikmin is a really, really fun and unique uh, take on that genre. And as someone who does like that genre but is, like, probably more a casual fan of it. Um, Pikmin really scratches an itch for me, and I've been a fan of the franchise since the original. Um, and uh, I I had missed Pikmin three on on Wii U because it came out when I was a pretty poor college student, and uh, it was just one of those games I made the choice not to grab at the time and never got around to it. So for me, uh, it was a brand new experience and one that again came just right at the right time. Uh, I think for a lot of people, it kind of got lost in the shuffle between you know, last gen and, and next gen. But um, I was kind of, again, coming off of a game. I don't even remember. It might have been when I beat Persona. And I was kind of, like, waiting for the next gen, and I needed something, and Pikmin was, like, right there for me. And I and I had a great time with it. It was the game I spent the most time on my Switch with this year that wasn't Animal Crossing. And in ultra spicy mode, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, in ultra spicy mode. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you got to go hard, man. So next on my list, and you may you may you may want to exclude this. I'm not 100 percent sure how you feel of it. Super what? Mario 3D All Stars. So it's oh, a collection. Fine. You can give that an honorable uh, mention. So I, I enjoyed this. I skipped over, as we said, I skipped Mario 64. I went back and played that game. For me, that camera is too jank. It feels old and dated to me now. Just that, that control scheme, I can't play it. Uh, but I had an absolute blast with Mario Sunshine. I realized how little of that I played when I was a kid, probably because I was terrible at video games at the time, uh, and never really progressed much past uh, P.E. Piranha. And having explored that uh, old Delfino a lot more, I, I really, really enjoy that game. And the same for, for Galaxy, seeing that in 1080p at 60 frames a second, Wow, that game has really, really stood the test, test of time. I still haven't touched Galaxy in the remake. Oh, my I, God. I really want to go back to it. Yeah, I, that was a, another one. Like, I played a good amount of 64, a little bit of Sunshine, and then I just got pulled away for, for other things. I think Pikmin 3, probably. Um, that's one I'm happy to go back to at some point. But those are also, like, games I've played multiple times. Yeah. Like, i played each of them at least twice. So it's like I could hop in and hop out of that at any point. You know, and like, I think I'll do fine. It's comfort food. It really is like, for me, going back and um, watching an old TV show, you kind of yeah. know where you are, what you're doing and, and how to get through. So I can totally relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. So getting... I've, got, I've got two more. I've only got two more as well. 
on your honorable mentions. Yeah. Okay, so we're even now. So the three, perfect. the ones I scrapped were were bang up. Okay, great. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Uh, all right. So my second to last honorable mention is going to be Final Fantasy VII remake. So okay. uh, probably a game that some people thought would be in my top five. Uh, I definitely it was, did. Yeah. It was not. <laughs> uh, would have been in my top ten, but it just didn't. It it didn't have enough for me. I think to to make it to that top five. As somebody who doesn't have nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII, I've never played the original, um, never even really booted it up. I've, like, watched some of it played, like, by my roommate, but um, it's not really a game I've ever sunk any time in myself. So I don't have that nostalgia. My my biggest connection to the to the cast of characters from Seven is that uh, a few of them are, are major players in Kingdom Hearts. So went in with really no frame of reference to these characters aside from their cultural significance. And um, I mean, one one of them's in Smash, right? That is true. Two right. of them are in Smash now. Now, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I I kind of went in as like a clean slate, and I was excited about that. I was excited to like experience Final Fantasy VII's world kind of for the first time, and uh, and I found a lot to love. I really really liked the cast. I I like um I like the chemistry of the main cast of characters that they have quite a bit, and I think that um. You know, these characters are iconic, and I think a big part of that is their character designs are really good. And that stuck out to me is, like, the the visuals of each main character, like, are wonderful. Those character models look fucking great. Um, some of the background stuff, not as great, because you can see where all the attention went, was making, like, Cloud and Tifa and Aerith and Barrett all just look sexy and it's hell. Uh, <laughs> and, like, I guess that worked out, but... Um, Gameplay wise, I loved it. I love that combat system. I I love RPGs, but I also love action games. And like Kingdom Hearts was the game that made me fall in love with like action RPGs. And I feel like uh, where Kingdom Hearts three kind of let me down because it didn't feel like a meaningful evolution of that system. And in fact, it just felt like it tacked on a bunch of shit that made it worse. This felt like an upgrade this felt like oh this is the next step of what this kind of combat can be and it sucks because final fantasy 15 was kind of almost that and not so this was like oh they got it right this time like this feels good um to the point where like i just enjoyed playing it like i did all the side quests just because i was like yeah i want to fight more stuff like let's keep going uh aside from that i i think the reason the game didn't break my top five was it it just it didn't leave as a much of a lasting impression on me as I kind of expected and as much as I think it did for a lot of people, especially those that have nostalgia uh, baked in there. Where, like, I really enjoyed my time with the game. It's not a game I've thought about a lot since I beat it. So, like, you know, I remember finishing it and being like, that was good. Like, that was good. That was a solid, enjoyable experience. Um and there are a lot but of you're things not, that you're I, not there craving more because obviously this was only one small aspect of Final Fantasy VII original. I think the thing is that I am. Like, when I was done, I was like, yeah, no, I'm in. I like this. I'm in for the sequel. I'm going to ride this ride out. But, like, and maybe I'm that's not, like, why you're not. Maybe that's why you're not thinking about it. And, like, maybe. Going, oh, yeah, that was great. But, but I think it's, like, I don't know. I, I think it's more that, like, um, like, when I think about, like, something like Horizon... Right, like Forbidden West, I'm like, oh my god, I can't fucking wait for more of that. Whereas, like for Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, I'm just like, yeah, whenever you get it, whenever it's done, I'll play it, and I'm sure I'll dig it. 
but I'm, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't have that longing for it, you know. Or like Persona Five uh, Strikers was like one of those games that like I talked about all year of just like just give me the announcement. I, I just want to know that it's coming, you know. Whereas like with Final Fantasy Seven uh, Part Two, I'm just like, eh, whenever it's here, I'll, I'll I'll be eager for it then, you know. Okay, your second to last pick. It is Among Us, and I think it would really oh. be. I think I think it would be really remiss of us not to include this game on the list. This game for me has such significance because it was the first game that Macaulay brought to my attention, and they are not a big gamer. They are they hone in on like a very few select number of niche yeah. games, and they're this, more casual. Yeah, this really crossed over from being like a game like a about like a game for gamers so say for example think four guys i think that was again had a game had a moment but it never really crossed over that that divide between gamers and everyone mainstream mainstream whereas i feel that among us did yeah right and And fucking aoc was streaming among us you know (laughs) and And i had <laughs> like so many people, and and that really feels like it's similar to new like Animal Crossing New Horizons in that you know all of these people that were getting involved, it really crossed into the mainstream. It was a real moment, and it's still they're still riding it out now. And and the fact that this game didn't come out this year, I think it's irrelevant now because obviously the Game Awards awarded it a bunch of stuff, uh, even though it's it's a few years old at this point, I believe. Yeah, twenty eighteen, um, and. And for me, it's just that that memory of uh, and and still playing it, <laughs> playing it in bed with Macaulay, us two, like just playing with randos or playing with friends. It's that kind of game, as we spoke on last week's show, that you can play with friends remotely now and still feel a connection with them and feel like you're doing something with your friends, even though you can't see them in person. And and I think that's special and it's something that people need in 2020. Um, so if you haven't checked out Among Us. You really, really should. It's free on mobile. It's super, super cheap on Switch and on PC, and it's coming to console, other consoles in in 2021. So it's on Game Pass on PC too. Oh yeah, so definitely, definitely check it out. Um, I highly recommend it. And and we will be we we streamed it last week. If you're listening to it to us now, yeah. So so if you can go back, check the uh, the VOD on Twitch because I'm sure that was a blast. Yeah, we'll probably do another one soon, I would imagine, too. So yeah. keep your eyes peeled. Um, that is a game I have only played once, so I don't have a ton to say about it, but it is fun. I get why it, I get why it's popping off right now. Okay, so my last honorable mention today is going to be, of course, Hades. Fuck off. No way. Yes, Hades. Okay, so this is close. my last one, too. So <laughs> Wait, Hades is your last honorable mention? Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. So two points on the board for Hades then. I thought this would be in your top five, uh, the way you were talking about it the other day. So Hades uh, Hades came so close to the top five for me. me I, I love love Hades. I have sung its praises. I have sold people on Hades. Um, I think Hades is a really special game. I think the thing about it for me and why it didn't break my top five is just really it's not my kind of game. I don't really like roguelikes and um, this game, 
I think is so good and so special, not just from like a gameplay perspective, but also like it's got a good soundtrack. It's got a good art style. It's got good voice acting. Like all of, it, it's got a lot going for it that drew me in and um, really got me hooked on it for a while. But uh, what usually happens with roguelikes and games like this that like have an end but don't really end, I I just lost it. You know, like I I yeah. hit a point where I had gotten to the last boss. I've done the last boss battle like three or four times. I haven't beaten it, and I was like, ah, like. I, I want to keep playing this because it's fun, but I also feel like I'm kind of beating my head against the wall. So I kind of want to do something else. And then Pikmin came out and I was like, oh, I'll get this. And then I was just in on that, you know, and then now it's like my chops are off and I want to go back to it. But like, when do I have the time for that? And am I going to just have to get better again? And so it's like I had a great time with it. And I think like objectively, it's a it's a, a really excellent game. And it has a great g- gameplay loop that did speak to me, but it just didn't hold my attention as much as the other games on my top five. Um, so similarly to Final Fantasy VII, like even though it was one of the best games I played this year, it wasn't one of the five best games I played this year. So all the love in the world to Hades, all the fucking respect on that name because it deserves it. Um, just not one of my top five. Yeah, I, I would agree with you uh, on most of those points. Um, I'm really, really enjoying this game, and I don't think I uh, am anywhere near falling out of of kind of sync with it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think this will be the game I I keep playing until until I manage to beat that last boss. Um, we spoke yesterday. I haven't really played anymore since we recorded last week's episode yesterday. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying it. I went back today. And uh, played with the bow and arrow, and that I that is now hundred percent my favorite weapon. I told you, in this game. yeah, it's dude, you so get, good. You Especially get the right when you get the like it. three boons, like this the like split fire. Fuck, it's so powerful. You, you can do the split fire, and then like the homing arrows and the pushback, and you're just like fucking. No one can touch me. Yeah, like I'm great. across the room, annihilating <laughs> everybody. You know, like oh, it's so good. So it's one of those things, like, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, ah, I do want to go back and play that. I really do. Yeah, I re- <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. But, yeah, the five in my list are just games that I just couldn't stop playing. Like, I played them start to, to finish. Like, it was all I played. Whereas Hades, I'm still going, oh, I'll play a bit of Hades. Oh, I'll play a bit of Cyberpunk. I'll play a bit of Forza or, or Watch Dogs. It's, it's one that's kind of on rotation, Rather than this gets a hundred percent of my attention because it's yes. all I think about, and all I want to play. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I think for me, it was that the moment of it being that game for me, the game was so short that I'm like, it's just like just just below my top five. Yeah. Okay. So we're that's it. We're in the top fives now. So the so two games on that list, Coffee Talk and Hades, have both gotten two points. Every other game's at one right now. Correct. Yes. Correct. All right. So let's get in. Let's get into the fives. So the fifth one is going to score two points, right? Two and then points. We're going to go two, three, four, all the way up to six points. Yeah, and we'll do your five, my five, your four, my four. Okay. My five first. Yes. 
My five is Hypnospace Outlaw. So I have been telling yeah. everyone I can think of to play this game. I adore this game. It reminds me so much of of the early 2000s and internet. And I have such nostalgia for that. It's really when, because, you know, my job, if you don't know, I'm a, I'm a programmer. And it's really when I started to learn to program. And, and I feel nostalgia for like visiting Yahoo GeoCities websites yep. and uh, or like going to people's MySpace pages. And it was like all coded up in this weird way where everyone had like a different theme and stuff. And you really get that. And it's got like MIDI music that was written just for this game and all sorts of stuff. And topping that off with a really, really creative story that I think is a unique way of, of telling a story like reading web pages and learning stuff about uh, about the the world that that this happened in through like email and through web pages and yeah. through old school videos and adverts and audio it's just so cleverly put together that that I couldn't not include this on my list I love Hypnospace Outlaw That's awesome. I figured that would be in your top 5. I thought you would. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, that's that's one I definitely has been on my radar since we first saw it, and like your praise of it has like kind of kept it top of mind. Um, I'm just kind of like waiting for the, the opportunity, I guess. And like it's on Game Pass, so I should I should give that one a shot. Uh, okay, my number five is going to be the PlayStation Five launch title, Spider Man Miles Morales. Oh, okay. I thought you were going with the other PlayStation 5 launch style, Astro's Playroom. Bug snacks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually, Astro probably should have been on my honorable mentions. Astro's Playroom is very good. And, All right. And I'll very, put it on the list. Put it on there. That game's great, especially for a demo. Can't wait for a full version of the game. Loved it. Uh, I'll, I'll give you this ringing endorsement. Uh, my fiance, Sarah, has said that uh, historically she doesn't like platformers. And she started playing Astro, and she, like, 100%ed the collectibles and was, like, working on the Platinum before she kind of, like, got pulled away for something else. So, Oh, my God. Uh, you've got to get her on Mario Odyssey next. Please tell me. I know. That's what that. I said. I was like, now that she got that in and she, like, enjoyed it a little bit, I'm like, I gotta, I'm just going to, like, stick Mario in her Switch and just, yeah. like, see what happens. Yeah. She, you can't hear me. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Spider-Man, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, I I sang the praises of this game quite a bit this year. Um, I think that Spider-Man Miles Morales is simultaneously a um, an improvement of the formula that was established in, in 2018 with uh, with Spider-Man because because of its shorter length. Uh, if you don't know, it's it's about half the length of of the original Spider-Man. Uh, they trim all of the fat and none of the steak. Like, all of the good side quests that you remember, like, they're all still there. They cut, like, the stuff where you're Peter and you have to go to your job and do, like, a puzzle where you're, like, fucking doing circuitry or whatever. (laughs) They cut the Mary Jane segments where you're, like, doing these, like, not very well fleshed out stealth missions, right? It's all, all the meat, all of the best parts of the game are, are what you focus on. And that's the whole experience. And as a result... I didn't feel like the game felt like it was a lot shorter, even though it was, because it still felt like it was meaty and there was a lot to do, especially if you want to go for the platinum, uh, which I did. And I don't know, like, I I think really the only drawback that I found for it was that because of the shortened length, it felt like the story didn't have as much room to breathe as I would have liked. 
like the first two acts are very good and the third act feels like um rushes to close yeah and not to a point where it's like this doesn't make sense or like it feels truncated it's just like man this would have had more impact if i spent another five hours with these characters if i spent another 10 hours with these characters you know uh, but that said, what they accomplish in that space, in that limited amount of time, is A, wonderful, B, I think, hopefully sets a precedent for Spider-Man 2 if, uh, in terms of how they spend their time. But C, I think it also really, like, proves to me that this formula for AAA game development is something I really want to see more of. Uh, we saw it last gen with Uncharted Lost Legacy and I think a less popular and less well-known game, uh, Dishonored, um, Death of the Outsider, which are basically like, hey, let's take the engine and the assets and, you know, everything from this AAA game that we took three to fucking five years or whatever, however long, you know, your game was in development, um, take that, that engine and those assets and build a smaller, you know, uh, 0.5 type experience game that stands on its own that you sell for like $20 cheaper. And it's all of the same, you know, it's, it's the same game you love, but tighter, but with that trimmed with a more succinct storyline with side characters, maybe in the, in the, um, case of uncharted, like, I think that's brilliant because a, it gets, you know, I, I love that kind of game. And if it's in a franchise that I like and I can get, you know, essentially an entire other game in like a two year turnaround like we got with Miles, that's super. I, I love that as a consumer. Also, though, I think it makes like it takes some of the pressure off of AAA development in my mind. Right. Because like you have, they haven't got to like rake back a ton of the costs or, yeah. or th- figure out how can we cram some DLC in here that might not necessarily fit you can just do another succinct game that accompanies it which i really liked and i loved it when they did it with uncharted uh, lost legacy I it was really great that was it was great yeah i mean i've i've enjoyed every game of this style that's come out um, that I played anyway, right? Those those three examples. Did you play? Just they did. They did it with Dishonored as well, didn't they? Yeah, that was like, what I said. The uh, Death of the Outsider. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. I thought that was a, a really solid game. Um, so yeah, for me, like that's a super attractive model of like give me a cheaper, shorter game in the interim. Because now it's like I look at myself as uh, just through the lens of Spider Man, right? Like I got Spider Man twenty eighteen. When all the DLC was done, I played that in 2019. I played Miles in 2020. They have Ratchet and Clank coming out next year. And then you got to imagine Spider-Man 2 is probably not too far after that. So it's like Insomniac's basically put out a game's worth of content for me to play every year uh, for the last four years in two franchises I really like. And they didn't have to like recreate everything from the ground up. It seems really smart to me. And I, I hope other developers take that example and see that like this is a really viable option and i think especially in the generation that we're in now where you know um we've talked a lot about how games are are getting more expensive like if you buy miles morales without the remaster attached to it it's only 50 bucks so like that's great that you could get a triple a experience for a cheaper cost if they commit to this model as well i presume it's even cheaper on ps4 right uh, I think it's forty on PS4. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because it's it's twenty off the the like normal retail price on those consoles. Yeah. So that that to me is like a win win. It's great for consumers. It feels like it's good for the developers. 
Um, and it also feels like a great way to like work out kinks in between major entries. Yeah. Where it's like, look at all the things they learned from Miles that they can imply to Spider-Man 2. And get an additional opportunity for like fan feedback of like, oh, we liked this change. We didn't like this. You know, like. Yeah, like Peter's new face, for example. Got to, got to play with that. <laughs> yeah, worked fine. It didn't bother me. Uh, so yeah, I, I loved Miles Morales. I had a great time with it. I platinumed it, which means I had to play it two times in a row. Um, didn't mind. Yeah, it. I, I saw Max complaining about that on Twitter. That it was like he was annoyed that he had to play it twice. I I usually don't like that, but I liked the game enough that I was like, oh, I'll skip the cutscenes. It's fine. So Spider Man Miles Morales takes my number five spot. Two points on the board. Ooh, so Steve. my number four is Carrion. So I I had wow. an number absolute four. blast with Carrion. Uh, this was the Metroidvania that the first one I ever really got into that I really that really spoke to me. I loved this game. I loved the the way the the monster moved. I loved the the power ups he would get as you you progressed. I loved the story. I loved the environments. It was fantastic. I, I highly recommend anyone checks out Carrion. Uh, and it's on Game Pass again. So if you have Game Pass, I feel like I feel like we're just a sell. Whole thing's a commercial. Today. <laughs> <laughs> this but episode yeah, brought to you by Carrion Game Pass. Carrion was great. Um, and the like things like the music and the, the... I think it was more the sound design than the music. Mm. Like the, the noises that the monster would make when he moved and like the screaming and the crunch sounds when you would eat someone. Which sounds really gruesome, but it's it's so satisfying. Like really, really satisfying to like move along as this monster, and it's like making a noise as he like moves, and all his tentacles like attach onto everything. Such a such a good game, um, and I'm surprised I I haven't had more people speak about this game. Feels it feels like one that kind of came and went. Yeah. yeah. So check it out, Game Pass. All right, my number four, maybe a controversial pick in some circles, is. Persona 5 Royal. Cool, Zayt's like running an angry email right now. He's like, how did you not put this at number one? Unbelievable! <laughs> how could you? <laughs> oh, you know what? That reminds me. Zayt sent me an email this week. Oh, my God. We're going to have to jump back into the mail pot. Hold on. All right, hold on. Let me grab this. It's fitting because it's, it's Zayt's game. Yeah, this is Zayt's game, so we'll do it now. Right? He's the only one who wrote in. Okay, we're good. Got it. All right. Okay. So we'll jump back into the mail pot, and then I'll talk about Persona 5. <laughs> uh, Zade says, what's up, fellas? So we're finally at the point where we can properly discuss Game of the Year and some of the biggest moments we had in 2020. And, of course, I'm very excited to hear what you guys have to say. For me, Game of the Year is pretty simple. It's easily Persona 5 Royal. Regardless of it being a re-release, the game is just perfect in almost every way. I would say the best gaming moment I had in 2020 was, and I guess this isn't technically a gaming moment, but it was getting on after dark to talk about Persona 5 Royal with Pete. Truly an honor, and I look forward to the next time we get together on the show. But coming in at a close second was playing Halo with the two of you and that dot guy. Of course, I am super hyped for Persona 5 Strikers, as I've pre-ordered the game on all available platforms. I can't believe that. I really can't believe that. Zade is a (laughs) madman. But after playing Halo recently with you guys and Doc, I'm getting very excited for Halo Infinite, even though it's roughly a year away. The thing I'm most excited for however in 2020 is to see where loot pots goes next after what i consider a stellar 2020 thanks for keeping us all sane during this tough year and i can't wait to see what kind of content you guys do next year and beyond thanks for making my mondays a little more bearable y'all are the best and i'm glad that i can call you my friends 
your lovely, your friendly neighborhood snack guy, Zade. Love your friendly neighborhood. Thanks, Zade. Very sweet of you. That's really nice. I had a great time playing Halo. We we spoke about it in the last show. I really felt like you and Doc carried me. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so always, always nice to hear from you, Zay. Thanks for writing in, buddy. Um, so, so, Persona- so why, yeah, why, why are you letting Zay down? Why are you not putting this as your number one pick? So, Persona Five Royal is in an interesting spot for me. I think I easily could have put it much higher on this list, and I think the reason I didn't is because of the re-release angle to it. Where, like, when I when I think of 2020, this is one of the games that will define the year for me personally. Because Persona 5 Royal, I literally played this whole year. Like, I started it at the beginning of the it goes pandemic. On forever. Yeah, and I took a break to play Last of Us and Ghost, and then I came back to it. And, you know, I liked that because it kind of like, it was like taking a season break, like in the middle of the game. And then, like, when I came back, like, the calendar was kind of lined up again. So it was, like, very much a game that defined my 2020 was kind of coming back to it and playing it and putting it down and coming back to it. And um, and I just – I loved it. Like, it's genuinely one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I I felt so connected to the cast of characters and, and, like, the world that they built, you know, their version of Shibuya and – you know, just like exploring the different parts of the town, like, you know, um, maximizing the confidants with the characters that I was close to and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it really is a game that I think is close to perfect in a lot of ways there. It has some real significant problems, but they're mostly with like conveyance. The game doesn't do a good job of telling you like what's important for you to do sometimes. Like, um, spoiler, this isn't a spoiler content wise but like to get the extra content of persona 5 royal you have to max out confidant with three specific characters and the game never tells you that fact um i know yeah so there's like stupid things like that that, where it's like what were you thinking but like that stuff aside i I also heard like when i was listening to the spoiler cast and editing it that there were some some kind of bad representations of certain people especially trans and, and gay characters in in the game yeah, I don't I don't think that there's cuz I remember in Persona 5 there was some like Four. really no no no, I, oh, Persona okay. 5 original. Yeah. Um because I didn't play Royal and I don't know if they changed it or ripped it out, but you would go and you would go see someone in a bar and there would be like two gay guys on the street that were like a real terrible stereotype and those characters like, are still in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I was just say- it just feels shitty that, that that's still there and that's the representation of of gay characters in this game, but yeah, it's like very like that's a thing in in a lot of Japanese media is like characters who are very like gay panic characters, you know, and it's like, oh, haha, like I'm not gay, like oh no, um, so that definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I think th- it, like those characters show up twice, so it's like a drop in a fucking massive bucket of yeah. this game, uh, but it does stick out to me. Um, I think the, uh, the trans representation that we were talking about was in, um, was in Catherine, Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Atlas, not the best track record of representing queer people or giving you queer options in their games. But, (laughs) uh, that aside, um, I don't know, like it, I just had such a relationship 
with the game and, and with no, its I, world I and its that. characters. Yeah. And, like, this year especially, um, having those feelings of isolation and, like, not being able to go out and, and make friends and, and meet friends and do those kinds of things, like, um, it scratched that itch for me. And, and, and I, I connected to it um, – I connected to its cast in a way that I don't feel like I've connected to a group of characters since like Mass Effect where like this is my crew and I care about them and I care about what happens to them. And, you know, like I I genuinely had a ton of affection for every major character that I got to know and a lot of the minor characters as well. Um, so, yeah, I you know, I think I think if if Persona 5 Royal was Persona 5 and it had come out this year, it would have been in contention for my game of the year. Um, but it being a re-release and it being a game that failed to grab me the first time and then I got into it and like, I don't know, all those things like when I was making the list and I was thinking of like what were like the games that came out this year that like made a splash for me, like I felt weird putting Persona above those games even if I might have like had an overall better experience with Persona. Does that make sense? It it's does. The, I looked at this list differently. I looked at this list as the games that were solely for me and not in the way that we looked at, say, the Game Awards and what deserves to win yeah. like, overall I, like, game balanced those two things and made my decisions the way I made them from there because, like, I didn't judge it by that either and you'll see that I didn't judge it by that when you get to the next couple entries on my list in the order. Um, but I don't know. Like, I couldn't, for whatever reason, when I was putting Persona on this list, I couldn't separate that reality from my feelings about it and that doesn't make it a lesser experience that doesn't didn't hamper my enjoyment of it um i I think it just it feels a little bit weird to even put it on this top five because it is a re-release because it is a game that i played in 2020 not necessarily one of the you know what i mean like yeah it's it's like if i said super mario 3d all-stars is my number five you'd be like what it's just a I compilation of, of games from years gone by. And I, I wouldn't begrudge you that, but it, but it is one of those things like, okay, that's a little cheeky, isn't it? You know? like, yeah. And that's kind of how I of feel about putting this at number four. And four, I, I think putting it at number four was enough for me to be like, okay, like I let it beat Spider-Man. <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Nothing but love for it, though. Again, one of my all-time favorite games, uh, I would say it's probably my favorite game in the genre. It's probably my favorite JRPG of all time now, edging out uh, Fire Emblem. So wow, yeah, and I love Three Houses. You know this, so I do um, know that. Yeah, but yeah, like I, I've like legitimately been considering getting a Persona Five tattoo. Like that's where I'm at with this. No game. way. What would you get? The I kind of um, want to get the Phantom Thieves logo. I was gonna say, well, the the like uh, the thing they do when uh, they send out the, the like, calling uh, card, the calling card yeah. with like the hat and everything. Yeah, yeah I've been thinking about doing that. That would be cool. Or maybe like some of their masks on my arm. I don't know. <laughs> has Sarah played this? Because obviously she's a huge Fire Emblem fan as well. <sighs> she hasn't. And I think she really would have loved it. But she watched me play it. So, she so she's kind of like, I feel like I got the experience. Like, yeah. And it's super long, too. So it's like to play it when you know where everything's going to go. It's like, eh. Let her play F- Persona 4 Golden instead, then. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch her that. play that. <laughs> so, so you're number my, three. My number three, yeah, is uh, good job. 
So this is wow. Okay, uh, this is a Nintendo game. So this came. I out like this, the dichotomy of our list. How yours has been exclusively indies, and mine has been exclusively AAA games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess this is an indie, but it was published by Nintendo, and they kind of make it seem like they developed it. They never, as with other Nintendo published games like Snipperclips, they never really announced the developer. So I had to like, go and find out who it was when I was interested. It's a small Swedish studio. I can't remember the name. Um, but this game's fantastic. So I I highly recommend you actually, after you've listened to this, go over to the Fanatics 4 channel and watch the video that should now be live um, where me and Pete will both feature in it, talking about our favorite Nintendo published game of 2020. Now, while this isn't my favorite Nintendo published game of 2020, it is very, very high up the list. It's number they three. They needed someone to talk about it, they so that's why you talked talk about, about it. it. <laughs> it's the same reason why I talked about <laughs> Pikmin 3. <laughs> um, this game's so fun. It's, again, kind of an environmental puzzler, but it's goofy. Kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, the cooking one. What's the cooking game called? The kind of co-op Overcooked? cooking game. Overcooked. And that is goofy. It's fun. You you play the character whose dad runs the company, and he's like giving you a job because he needs you. You need something to do, and you get tasked with doing like really mundane tasks, like round up all the people and bring them over to this specific section. But they don't want to do it, so you have to like drag them on their office chairs or fling them across the the room using power cables from photocopiers, smash windows, smash walls. It's absolutely hilarious game when you play it with someone else. I played this exclusively co-op with uh with Macaulay and we had uh, an absolute bass with it. We finished this in a week. We played it every single night. We stopped like watching what we were watching at the time. We would we would just go, let's play some good job. And we would just play a level. We went back. We got all of the collectibles. So each level has collectibles of like clothing that you can get. We got them on every single wow. level. We loved this game. This game is fantastic. I highly recommend you pick this game up if you are looking for a couch cold game over the Christmas break. It's so fun. Like, really, really fun. And even if you don't want to play it co-op, it's still fun. But when you play co-op, they kind of change some of the puzzles a little bit that they can only be completed with two people. Like, someone needs to open a door for you or move a lift while while you're you're moving. And there's so many different elements that get added as the game progresses. Like, there's forklifts that get added. There's, like, laser beams where you need to, like, uh, have mirrors and move them in order to complete the puzzles. But you can also just complete some of the puzzles by just smashing the place. Just like completely destroy <laughs> it, smash walls, do whatever you want. Nice. And the game just lets you. It's completely destructible environments. And um, yeah, this, this, this game 100% deserves to be uh, in my number three position. Very nice. All right. So my number three is The Last of Us Part 2. What? Surprisingly low on the list, I know. Yeah. Um, so this is where you get into the. I think the top three games on my list are all like okay. very, very high quality. Yeah, yeah. And I got into the like, what did I have the most fun with at this point? So The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, I well, said I, this. I'm just, I'm just going to say that this is my number two. So I'm going to okay. award this nine points. Okay, cool. Well, because that would be your next one anyway. So we'll just yeah. get through both of them now. Right, okay. Um, so for me with The Last of Us Part 2, uh, we talked about this, I think, on the episode after after the Game Awards. I think that the, that it deserved to win Game of the Year. And I think if we were judging Game of the Year in the same way that um, that it is judged by the Game Awards, it would also be the game I would vote for. 
because um, I think the list of games for Game of the Year this year was very strong, and I think there's a case to be made for most of the games on that list. Um, but I think when when I think about what is the game this year that pushed the envelope the most, it's The Last of Us Part Two, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, the other games on my list that are above it uh, are games I I think I had an overall better time with. They meant more to me in 2020 because of the pandemic and the experience that I had and the catharsis that was associated and all these things. With The Last of Us Part Two, it was like this game was so compelling that I was able to play it even though it was not the game for the time, right? And I wonder if a lot of people's attitudes about it might have been different if it didn't come out in 2020. Um, but that's <laughs> yeah, maybe it, irrelevant. Because uh, it's I, kind of the theme is is uh, not great. <laughs> no, not for this time. Um, but but I look at that game and the way that it told a story. Uh, it, it told a story that isn't like the the way that it tells a story is not something that's never been done before. I think the the kind of like. So I'm going to go into a few spoilers for The Last of Us Part 2. There's really no way for me to talk about it as my game of the year without doing that. I hope you've played it by now. If not, skip ahead um, to, you know, when we get to my number two. Uh, Steve, throw a time code in the bottom. I will do. Yeah, there'll be a a time code. for. uh, This is the only spoilers spoilers. we're going to get into. Yeah. Uh, So the, the conceit of that game, right, where spoilers are coming now, where you have to play half the game as Ellie and half the game as Abby, uh... It's reminiscent of of other, you know, good fiction where um, you explore both sides of a conflict, right? And you present characters that are human characters, not I am the protagonist, so I am a good guy, and I am the antagonist, so I'm a bad guy. Uh, and it does that a lot better than um, even The Last of Us Part 1, which was something that people praised the game for, right? Is that you play as Joel, you identify with Joel, uh, but Joel has blood on his hands. Joel is not a wholly good person because this is a world that doesn't necessarily make it easy to survive for wholly good people, right? Cool. At the end I of mean, the day, you don't, la- you don't just play as Joel, though. Like Ellie, when I started playing as Ellie True. in that game, that was a huge surprise for me because it didn't get spoiled. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you, you, like you wake up and you're like, "Fuck, I'm not Joel anymore." And and that yeah. was a moment. Yeah, that and that's true. But I I think what I like about the way that The Last of Us leverages that, it, I think it has a lot more impact. Because, like, I played The Last of Us Part 1 uh, this year for the first time, and and I really liked it. I, I connected with it. Um, but I also felt like it felt familiar. It felt like it was... Um, the reason it got praise and the reason that it stood out was because of execution. Because it was, you know, a very, very well-executed you know, zombie post-apocalyptic survival story. And it was one of the great stories in video games at the time, because video games as a narrative medium are still kind of evolving and still developing, you know? Um, I don't don't know what other games came out in 2012, but I don't think there was anything really on that caliber in terms of narrative. Not quite, you know? And um, so I, I get it. Right. But like, I think when you compare it to, you know, other similar fiction, like stuff like The Walking Dead or The Road or, you know, take your pick. You see those themes come up again and it, and it's like, yeah, okay, uh, it's good for what it is. Um, But when I look at The Last of Us Part Two, 
I think it uses video games as a narrative medium in a way that I've never experienced in a game uh, quite this well. You know, like, I, there have been games where you, like, play both sides of a conflict or you get to know two characters and you have to decide which one you like more or whatever. Like, that wasn't new. But the way that it tells the story and the way that it delivers the beats to you in the order it delivers them to you, it's it has like the pacing of a good book, but it but because you are the one in the sticks, you're the one at the driver's seat. I anyway walked away feeling so much closer to the actions of the story because I, I think for me the game played exactly the way that Naughty Dog had wanted it to. Where I come into The Last of Us Part 2 and I have emotion tied to Ellie and Joel and their relationship and, you know, the decision that Joel makes at the end of The Last of Us and, like, all of that. Uh, I came in with that baggage and it meant something to me. And then when Joel is killed, like, it made me hate Abby and it made me hate Abby's group and it made me want to get vengeance on them in that. Same way that Ellie does, but also by kind of like playing into my, you know, my tendencies as a gamer, right? Whereas like in video games, you are traditionally presented with obstacles, right? Like antagonists are obstacles often more than they are characters, right? They might have details. They might have things about them that whatever connect you to them, but they're usually one dimensional, right? Like you look at who were like the primary antagonists in The Last of Us Part 1. They're just objectively bad people. Right. They're cannibals. There's the guy who tries to, you know, rape Ellie. Like those are things that are like, this is a person with no humanity. These are bad people. And me as the good person, I need to beat them. And I play about the say the 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 fireflies in The Last of Us One who objectively could be good people who are wanting to save humanity. And Ellie wanted to help them and wanted to be involved in that. And Joel took that away from her. And my thing is, though, right, like that question is amazing. That has that weight. That's the end of the game, right? For The Last of Us Part Two, that moment happens in the middle of the game. Well, and I like really, that. that happens right at the beginning, like the continuation of that question. And I love in That's The Last true. of Us Two how they they trickle through how Ellie and Joel's relationship got ruined by that and yeah. how she found out about it. And you kind of learn, but then there are those moments and those those little kind of vignettes when Ellie goes to the museum with Joel, and they're they're in that spaceship, and like I was in tears, like yeah. it was just such a beautiful moment in such a a shitty and bittersweet world, like knowing yeah. how it turns out, knowing you know? that this is gonna turn rotten, yeah, and then and they never get a chance to make up. Like all that, you know, that's huge. Like that carries so much emotional weight. And I think I was feeling all that as Ellie and like connecting with that. And I, and I I mentioned in our spoiler cast that we did with Chloe on after dark, um, when I got to the point where you're Ellie and you think you're at the confrontation with Abby and she, you know, shoots Jesse and then shoots uh, Tommy. And and I I literally said to myself out loud, like through gritted teeth, I was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And then it switches perspective. And then it asks me to play as her and empathize and understand all of these people who I've looked at as villains, as the people that, you know, uh, shot Joel and spit on his dead body and made me watch and all that shit. And then I see that they have, 
you know, parents and lovers and pets and and, and a whole hobbies. community. Like it's it's yeah. no different to to Ellie. No, like, that's not what at all. you see, and that's what's great about it. And but then you're also like left what like the game forces you to do things you don't want to do. Like that aspect when Ellie's like really angry and it's like that red screen and it's like press circle. And I yeah. waited for like a good minute or two. I was like, I really don't want to do this. I yep. really, really do not want to do this. And I was hoping the game would let me out of it, but it didn't. It like forces you to do it. And there's a bunch of moments like that where it forces you to do stuff. But that only adds to the story. It only adds to your connection with these characters. And it, that impact when you first switch over from Ellie to Abby is so huge that you are like, fuck this. I don't want to play as her. Yeah. Uh, but then ultimately you come to grow and and love her as a character and realize that she is a good person well, because she and, helps other people. Right. And like, and you find out that, you know, like her, the inciting incident for her is the same as Ellie, right? Like Joel kills her father. Yeah. Like she's, she's no less justified going and hunting him down and killing him than Ellie is doing the same thing. And ultimately neither of them should have done it. Right. Like live and let live is kind of the takeaway. But like, I think that people, boil the narrative down to revenge is bad way too like that's not the point the point is that there are like in conflicts in war that there aren't good and bad people that there are sides and that on each side there are good and bad people and that even on a side that you might deem like insanely monstrous right like the the um the people who the twins are from uh i can't remember their name but the the, scars. the religious the scars, yeah. Um, they have another name, Seraphites. Mm-hmm. Um, even them, right? Which is this insane religious zealot group that hunt people and string them up and are monsters. Like, there's also these kids that live there that are just trying to get out of a bad situation, you know. And that like the game establishes its themes really well and then reinforces them through every single arc, and all of the arcs reflect one another and. It's just really, really well written, and like when I when I see people criticize the script uh, as like being bad, um, it really makes me roll my eyes, you know. And it's it, it like I uh, if you don't like it, fine, totally respect that. But like the narrative that it's somehow not good uh, to me is is absolutely insane because I think it's it's so clearly a cut above most other video game narratives. And I think it's objectively a better story than the first story because it's so much more complex. It has so much more to say, and it mm-hmm. says it better, I think. So, well, um, and, and and even like looking at say the Seraphites side of things as well. I love that like Lev. I think is well represented as a, a trans character. It's never really touched upon. It's never really like clarified a hundred percent that that Lev is trans. And I know that they they dead name him, which a lot of people t- took issue with. Yeah. Um, but I do think that them them getting a trans person to play Lev and exploring that narrative and seeing that how how like you can be ostracized from your community just because you don't follow the specific religion or and I really like how they like make that touch on that's not what the scripture says people are just twisting it 
read what it says and and even then even though he's been ostracized and yara's been ostracized from the community and from their religion they still both believe in the scriptures and they still both like follow it yeah even though they don't necessarily believe in the people who are running it currently i thought that was great commentary on how religion can be weaponized you know Mm -hmm. um and yeah, and on the the dead naming note, like obviously my opinion on that doesn't matter. Like I'm cisgendered, so like if you were offended by that as a trans person, like I totally, you know, your opinion matters more than mine on that. It just does. Um, but I I liked how they used that as a way to show that they were that like that that was a villainous thing, you know, that like yeah. that was that was a, a a dehumanizing thing to do, and that it's these people who are like so um you know like devoid of humanity in a lot of ways yeah the way they're they... willing to they're willing to treat him as as a lesser lesser being as someone who isn't worth the the name that for a haircut he, yeah so like yeah like to, to me um that that rung true in a good way but, i agree you know. with you and and it was a very mixed conversation around it yeah. some people thought that that um the writers were treating transgender people with disrespect by dead naming them and obviously it was written by cisgender people but i i kind of agree with you and it aligned well with me that it is only the villains that use it and and it's not something that doesn't happen in real life you know that does happen people will right. find out people's dead names and and call them that as uh, a slur as something that they know is a weapon against them. And it's a horrible thing to do. Like, don't do that. Um, and so uh, maybe it happened too many times. I don't know. Yeah. I only remember it happening like once or twice. Me too. But, like, I think I it, heard it like know. once or twice. But it, I also, it, I again, also get like, that I'm not going to be as sensitive to that. So like, yeah. fair play, right, is what it is. Um, but yeah, I... I, I think it's safe to say that The Last of Us Part Two is a masterpiece. And I don't yeah. say that lightly. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I'm, I'm also not like a huge Naughty Dog fanboy. I really like their games, but like Uncharted and, and uh, Uncharted, I didn't play until the Uncharted Collection and Uncharted 4. And Last of Us, wow. I only played this year. So like, I don't, I don't think I'm putting nostalgia on it. I think it is that it's, it's just that good in my mind. Um, and it does mm-hmm. things that other games um, haven't been willing or able to do whichever one it is so uh i'll I'll admit i went into this with rose tinted glasses the last of us like the original last of us was probably my favorite game of all time i think the last of us 2 has probably surpassed that at this point um and that's not to say that this should have been my number one pick for this year i don't think it should have been It, it probably is still one of my favorite games of all time uh but i, I like, think that's the, the thing though that's immaterial almost right like yeah. you can you can name another game more than it and it can still be one of your favorite games of all time yeah but like the original last of us is the game that got me back into video games so i've mentioned on the show before it was like the game that really spoke to me um and so i was glad that we got a sequel when the sequel was announced i was like like unbelievably excited and it really lived up to all of my expectations and surpassed them yeah, I would agree. And I think uh, just – it is a video game, so I guess we should talk on this. I think it's like clearly uh, on a gameplay systems level a marked improvement from, from the previous Last of Us. Yeah. So big ups for that as well. Okay, oh. so uh, that was your number two. Yeah, so what's your points. number two? 
So my number two is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh my god! Well, this is my number one, so we'll just we'll just do this in one go then. <laughs> <laughs> I know what your number one is then. Perfection. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, I mean, Animal Crossing. It's like, what do you even say that we haven't said before? Animal Crossing was a, a cultural moment in yeah. 2020. Uh, Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing was the game to me that defines like the early. It's still novel and not as insanely depressing era of quarantine where it was it like... It was during that time of, whoa, we're about to go into summer so we can still go outside and enjoy the sunshine and barbecues. So at least it's not that bad. And well, at and least also, you know, it's only going to last a few months. Yeah, it was new. We thought it would be a few weeks or a few months. And it was like, it's like this weird, like everyone's kind of on summer vacation thing while they figure out if they have to go back to work or not or whatever. So it was like, you know, that was like when we started streaming. We were streaming with, with the community every Thursday and yeah, like that was so get, fun. getting to make connections with everybody. And like, you know, I was constantly pl- – I was playing the game every day at, you know, for a few hours between like either, you know, do my dailies or like watching TV and playing or like going to a friend's island, playing the, you know, playing the uh, – the uh the the the, st- the stock market like all that stuff yeah you know, like well and and all i can say is that it was like this game made it impossible to find a nintendo switch like everyone was oh, interested yeah. in this game like there was supply issues earlier this year because of animal crossing Three like, it wasn't just us cycle. it was it was literally everybody yeah um and you know we've talked about like the the celebrities and then the and animal talking with oh, Gary yeah, the, Whitta the, yeah and, the talk like, shows Everything, you know, like like Animal Crossing companies made got in such on it. Like there, there was that cleaning company, wasn't there? That would come over and and clean up your island for for like a a fee or something. That, All that kinds did of it as like stuff. a marketing ploy. There was so yeah. Much like Joe Biden had an island during his campaign. Like it's like you know, Animal Crossing is like it had a cultural institution moment this year in the way that like I don't feel like games have had since like Pokemon Go. Where it was like you had that summer where everyone was playing and everyone was yeah. talking about it and it was everywhere. And like Animal Crossing had that moment, you know? And and I think the fact that, you know, Animal Crossing is A, just a great fun game, uh, but that it had such a strong social component that allowed you to connect and have this like, you know, um, fairly seamless online experience where you could connect with people and, and hang out. That's debatable. And, you know, I said fairly. <laughs> um i all i remember about the beginning of those streams is just seeing that like somebody's coming screen in. like a thousand yeah. times over and then someone would disconnect and you'd see like um just that error screen come up or something oh god it was a pain but yeah i think it's kind of got better a little bit it, it wasn't without its problems but i never felt like the trouble was too much that it wasn't worth it yeah you know um so to me like that is such a that is such a game of the year that is such a game of this moment of this period and like i think years and years and years from now when i think back on quarantine animal crossing will be one of the first thing that things that comes to mind even more so than the other games on this list save maybe oh, yeah. persona you know um because it i feel like it's so connected to this time and place 
Yeah, I I 100% agree. And this was why it was my game of the year pick at the Game Awards. It was, I think this is the game that defines 2020, as as I've said before. Like, this game was everywhere. Everyone was talking about it. It's become the Switch's best-selling game. And, And this... I think a large part of it comes down to the fact that I got to share this experience with with Macaulay, who, and it was the really the first game that we massively got into together. Mm. And like they weren't interested at all when I got Animal Crossing, and and they wanted to like, open a they wanted to play it on my Switch, and I said no, you can't really because you're going to end up with a house on my island, and I don't want that to happen. So we ended up trying to get another Switch for them. I had to buy a used one, which was a which was a pain because they were sold out everywhere. It was crazy. Um, but I, I, I love, I love this game and, and I know that we've both and kind of a lot of people in the community has, has kind of got their money's worth with this game and wore it, wore it out very, very early on. Um, and I know Chewy has told us time and time again, that's not how you meant to play Animal Crossing. You meant to play it like yeah. a, an hour a day and trust me, days. I know, but I, it's what <laughs> happened. Like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> But uh, I couldn't help myself. I really could not help myself uh, earlier this year when when it was fresh. And it was just like, oh, I need to fill this museum up. And it was, and then it was, oh, what we can visit someone in the southern hemisphere and get all this stuff now. Let's yeah. do it. Do you remember? I can't remember who it was that joined Mega on, Man. and it was yeah, Mega Man. And we went over to went over to their island, and there was a shark there. Do you remember when it was like we were yeah. all trying to fight over that shark? So we fought sure shark for him for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. All those like fun moments that you got and you make with this game, yeah. Or like and when Olaf fact- made like the deal or no deal, and we did like the game oh, show yeah. in the game. Like, there's just so many great memories with it. Like, there, it, DJ's I have so many fun t-shirt. memories with it. Even if I never played it again, I have memories with it that'll last me forever. You know? Yeah. So, I, yeah, it's it's a it's a. Even if I never touch it again, it's a game that will I think always be near and dear to my heart because it was the game that we needed when it came and like. I had a great time with it, you know? I spent like 200 hours in it. That's, I think I got my money's worth. <laughs> okay, so Animal Crossing New Horizons also gets nine points. Okay. Right? No. No, that's wrong. It's your two. It gets 11 points. It's 11 points. One. Yeah. Okay, so that's going to be the Loot Pots overall game of the year. Seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I know my, what your number one is, right? <laughs> my number one pick is good job. No, I'm just kidding. My number one pick... For Game of the Year 2020 is Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, man. Uh, this was this was tough. It was tough to pick this game for me this year because uh, it reminds me a lot of my, the experience I had with Horizon in 2017 where I don't think that it's the best game that came out this year, but it's the game I had the most fun playing, I think, this year because it just got its hooks in me, you know? And, like, and I... I don't know, like, I think uh, coming off of Animal Crossing and and then, like, I was playing Persona, I stopped playing Persona so that I could uh, play The Last of Us, and Last of Us was so striking, but it was also very heavy and, and depressing, and it I didn't end that game feeling uplifted, you know, and, and like, I needed something else, like, I needed to jump into something else, and, like, Ghost was just there for me, like, almost right afterwards, right? The staggering of those games was perfect for me where I came off of the last of us and I wanted something a little simpler. I wanted something that was like a, you know, big triple a open world action game, 
but that wasn't going to like beat me over the head with, you know, um, these really heavy themes and ghost does have some of those themes. It is about war and, you know, like there are things in it that are heavy, but like in general, when I think of that experience and what defines it for me, it is like exploring the open world. It is walking or riding my horse through the golden forest or through one of the big open fields where it's just like these beautiful flowers or like, you know, like um, going through like a scene where there's just these cascading red leaves everywhere. And like the game just has so much style, you know, and like and that was the thing that I, I constantly came back to when I talked about it was that it has style. It has a great aesthetic. It has personality and that and it commits to that style throughout. Right. Like every mission, whether it's a side quest, whether it's a main story. You have characters with names and voice dialogue that introduce it and contextualize it in the world. And you have this little opening vignette where it's like a scroll and it's the name of the text in Japanese. And it looks like it's like the opening of an episode of like a samurai serial. And like it, it takes so much influence from like that Kurosawa samurai film style. And like it, it, it commits to that in such a hard way that I think, um, it, it reminds me of why I feel like Red Dead Redemption 2 felt like such a – or not Red Dead, uh, Red Dead 2, Red Dead 1 felt like such a, a a slam dunk for me at the time anyway. It was like I've never played a game about cowboys. I've never played a Western game. And it committed to that aesthetic and it nailed it. And to me, that was this for like the samurai film. And like, yeah, there's plenty of video games about samurai. But like – I don't think any of them has ever felt this cinematic to me or like or or, I, or if they have, I'm just not familiar with them. Like I didn't play Sakura, right? So like I can't speak to that. Um, but for me, like it was just the right mix of uh, an enjoyable but palatable story, you know, with good, fun characters, meaningful side quests, um, you know, a world that felt like it ebbed and flowed and grew with the story like amazing environments, really fun gameplay loop. Uh, and it was another game I platinum just because I wanted to wring every single thing I could do out of it because I just had such a good time with it. And it was a game I didn't want to end. And like, I've thought about going back and playing it again or doing a new game plus or whatever, but like I'm bummed that there's not more for me to do. I'm bummed that there's not uh, like a new game plus platinum or something like I, I or a trophy like I, I I want I want a reason to draw me back in and I think ultimately uh, it's a game that like I just really can't wait for two I can't wait for the sequel because I want to see what they do to innovate and like how they they build on what they did here that I think was just so strong and so foundational and like the reason that I think that the game didn't get more attention and the reason that I personally wouldn't have voted for it as game of the year in like a game of the awards type uh, conversation is just because it didn't really innovate. It was a game that iterated, but it iterated extremely well. And it like, it just nails the formula that it's going for with a fresh coat of paint, a fresh style, a fresh voice which I think is something that's almost as deserving of praise, especially in a, in a genre that's as well-worn as open-world, AAA, map-based, RP, you know, all, all those fucking buzzwords I could throw together that describe what this game is. There's a dozen other games like it. And for a game to come out and nail that and nail it as well as Ghost does, you know, that's one of my favorite kinds of games. So, of course, it was going to speak to me. I'm honestly surprised by the order of your list. I really am. 
I, I genuinely thought The Last of Us was going to be your your number one, and maybe Ghost number uh, number two, and then Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, Ghost is is one that's high up on on my list of things to play. Um. But I just know I'm not going to play it until I get a PS5. Uh, and I, hopefully, you know, that's going to be like, I'm going to have a huge backlog to dig into. Yeah. I've never played any of the Spider-Man games. I've never played God of War. Play Ghost played Ghost in 60 FPS, which will be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm also weirded, weirded out by the order of my things. I think that you could have, like, just shuffled it and put it in a totally different order and I'd still be comfortable with it. Yeah. I thought I thought maybe Persona 5 would have been number number one or number two. But then thinking about it, I don't know. It's a strange order for you. Are you surprised by any of mine? Yes and no. Um, some of the games, like, like I remember you talking about carrying a lot. I didn't think of it as like your fourth favorite game of the year. You know, oh, I loved it. It was so good. So like that was kind of surprising. But like the games that are on the list isn't as surprising. Like I'm like that makes sense. You know, like you did dig all those games quite a bit. Are you surprised by the games on my list or just the order? Both. Like, I'm surprised Hades didn't make it up there. I genuinely thought Hades was going to be in your top five, which is why I said, you know, I think some of my honorable mentions are yeah. going to be in your game of the year list. I, I said the same thing because I thought Hades would be at the bottom of yours. I, Hades yeah. was my number five. And then I remembered about I was like, oh, Miles. Holy shit. Yeah, no, like I got to put that there. And then, like I said, the rest of it, it was like this weird dance that I did with myself. Where I was like, I'm comfortable with Persona as four. I don't feel like it belongs in the top three. These three where I was like, these are the three games that define this year for me. Absolutely. How do I put them in order? And I was like, well, I I think that Ghost is my favorite game of this year. Animal Crossing probably means the most to me emotionally. Okay. So I kind of was like, all right, I'll put those there. And then that just put Last of Us at three. And I was like, ah, that's kind of weird, but like, okay, I guess, you know, like originally I think I had Ghost, Last of Us, Animal Crossing, but I was like, I can't, like Animal Crossing needs to be number two. It needs to be. Animal Crossing would have been tied for uh, for first place with uh, The Last of Us if you had have put it in third place. That would have been interesting. Okay, yeah. so I mean, let's, let's, let's read the list then, right? So... Uh, we have a one, two, three, four, I, I've five, ordered six. it here. Oh, you, oh, you did. Okay. Got it. <laughs> All right. So how many games is that though? Uh, one, two, three. Okay. We have a like seven way tie or something like that between all of yeah, our honorable I just put mentions. Every, everything else is crazy. So basically every honorable, honorable mention apart from Hades and Coffee Talk is in seventh place. Yes. So then we have a uh, four-way tie for sixth place between Spider-Man Miles Morales, Hades, Hypnospace Outlaw, and Coffee Talk. Uh, Persona fa- or For fifth place, we have a, a two-game uh, two tie with Persona 5 Royal and Carrion, both at three points. In fourth place, we have good jobs somehow. <laughs> Love that. Uh, in third I'm place, happy with that. Really happy. <laughs> it's insane that it's above Persona, but I'll take it. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima uh, at six points is number three. The Last of Us Part Two uh, at number nine or at number two with nine points, and then just edging that out, Animal Crossing: New Horizons, number one game of the year at eleven points, just one point away from the maximum number of points it could have gotten. So pretty Crazy. good. 
Yeah, very, very good. I, I'm happy with this list. I, I am. I'm surprised, again, that by some of them. I'm surprised Persona 5 is so far down. I am, I'm, too. Yeah. And I don't feel I don't good about that. that. I want it to be yeah. number four. But Some people aren't going to be happy. That's the only thing about this <laughs> list that I'm not, that I don't feel right about. It's tied like, with Carrion. Carrion's a fantastic game. But yeah, but it should be number four. I feel a like good job in Carrion. Well, then you need to be... change yours around. Like, what happens? Where does the shift go if you move it up? I can't. Yeah. So that's it. This is the list. I'm, I'm done. Like, this is the list. I'm satisfied with it. It's a good list. Wow. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a solid list. That's a solid list. I'm happy with that. I'm really happy with that, actually. I think it's, it's, better, it's better than the Oscars, anyway. It's a big mixed bag as well. You know, there's like, uh, we, I feel like we've covered a lot of genres. Yeah, I mean, there, like, there's crossover between, like, Last of Us, not even Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima and Spider-Man are both, like, the same genre. But, like, pretty much everything else is its own thing. Yeah, which is good. It's nice. Yeah. Not I much representation it's... from, like, Xbox Studios. Tons of Sony on here. Like, Next tons year. of Sony on here. Hey. <laughs> I'm a Sony yeah. pony. What are you going to do? <laughs> I had to do a Nintendo podcast for two years before I could backdoor and be like, just kidding. I'm a Sony shill. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy with this list. I feel like it's, it's, it's representative of the best games that came out this year. There's a good diversity of genre, and I don't feel like there are any like amazing games that are just not on this list. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Like The fact yeah. that like Hades... Uh, was able to like sneak in with the honorable mentions. I'm very pleased with. That's good. It wouldn't have if I hadn't started playing it like three days ago. I know. Yeah. Very important. Right under the wire there. So I'm glad uh, the internet doesn't have to tear us down. It made the top. Well, it made the top six, not the top five, but pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So uh, what an episode. We did it. We made it. Game of the year has been decided. You heard it here first. Well, of course, you heard it here first because it's our game of the year. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, we got a great list. I'm happy with it. It was a great year for games. It was a great year for Lupots. Uh, I hope that you are uh, similarly satisfied with what you played this year and what we produced for you this year in, in, in this the year of our Lord 2020. Uh, what a nightmare dumpster fire every year. But we made it through together. We played some good games along the way. And I think we had some we had some laughs, too. We so uh, <laughs> uh, I hope that uh, the rest of your 2020 is good. I hope that you and yours are staying safe and staying sane. I hope that uh, even if you are apart from your loved ones this holiday, that you have a good one, that you uh, find a way to make the day special however you can. And, uh, you know, that know that we'll be back for you uh, on January 4th with uh, with our, our brand of nonsense. We'll be doing our 2021 predictions episode. So, uh you know, we'll we'll reconvene with you quite shortly. So before we jump, I will just remind you again where you can find us all around the web. We are the podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can go uh, hit up our new YouTube channel. Um, we are slowly building a subscriber base over there. So uh, again, if you're an audio listener, I hope you go check out the video version of the show. Even if you don't plan to listen to it, give us a subscription. It really helps uh, get us on other people's radar and get new voices in the community, in the chat, on the show. 
Uh, so, yeah, please, for my Christmas slash birthday gift this year, go give us a subscribe over on the Podscast channel. If you want to get some more content from us, you can, of course, head over to our Twitch channel, where uh, last Wednesday we streamed Among Us. This Thursday we'll be streaming something, uh, maybe some more Among Us. Who's to say? You let us know. Write in um, and uh, let us know what you want to see us play over there. Thursday. And we'll do it. Is, is that one of our birthdays? Is it? I don't know. No. No, no, no. No. It's the no. 30th, right? Ne- next next Monday. The day this comes out is my birthday. Yesterday, Pete, Boom. was your birthday. Wish happy us happy birthday, birthdays. Pete. Thank you. Happy birthday to you, Steve. Uh, How's it feel <laughs> being 28? <laughs> it doesn't feel good, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, go to the Twitch channel, go to the YouTube, come join the Discord, right into the show like all the fine folks did in our podcast section. Last but not least, Head over to patreon.com slash loopots. Get us for a buck. You can get uh, the podcast uh, After Dark, our additional show for patrons, where we're going to talk about our New Year's resolutions and, uh, you know, just kind of an end-of-the-year wrap-up this week. So should be a good episode. I hope you'll show your support and uh, and come check that out. So, again, stay safe, stay sane, have a good rest of your 2020, and we will see you all next year for another episode of the podcast.